Friday afternoon in town. Hi, hello, howdy. Michael Benner with Intervision now till 2 o'clock this afternoon. Nice to be with you. Happy Friday. Did I say that? I know. I always know it's Friday because I'm here, so it's a bit of logic. If I'm at KPFK, it must be Friday. Happy to be here. Happy to be with you doing Intervision on Friday. And, uh, well, let's see, a few announcements, and then I'm going to bring in my in-studio guest. A uh, fellow who's been with us a couple of times before, although it's been a while since we've had him on the program. And, of course, we'll be taking your telephone calls a little bit later in the hour, so uh, probably about the 30 break we'll open up the telephones for your questions and your comments on our topic today. A couple of things, actually. We, we want to talk about the whole idea of consciousness as a network an ocean of consciousness, a sea of consciousness, and and what does that really mean? And then even more specifically, talk about how to find your calling or your life's purpose. I think lots of folks uh, don't really believe in such a thing. So, of course, they're not going to find their calling, are they? Probably won't even bother uh, to to, uh, look for it. And uh, we go out into the world trying to find some sort of job or gig uh, or maybe even we'll call it a career, and we make some logical decision. Gee, I could make a lot of money doing this, or I could make a lot of money doing that. And and maybe you'd even be successful at making a lot of money, but would you be happy? And it's not likely. So lots of examples of very, very fabulously wealthy people, successful by appearances, but they are not happy cowboys or cowgirls, so... Maybe there really is such a thing as a calling, a real purpose, and maybe you can find it. We'll find out with our guest, uh, Patrick Carbula, in just a couple of minutes. First of all, some announcements. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that we are, um, my wife and I, at the end of November, moving to Hawaii, and I've gotten so much wonderful email from people um, that uh, I'm, I'm really gratified and appreciative of it. And some people saying, you know, they've listened to me not only on this radio station, but uh, back in the day when I was still doing commercial radio. And, and how can they keep track of us? Well, a couple of ways. First of all, you can always subscribe to the podcast of this program, Intervision, which is free. And if you go to the iTunes Music Store and simply type my name in, Michael Benner, uh, two podcasts will come up, really, the podcast of this program, which is free, and the podcast that I did uh, for a little over a year on another radio station in town with my friend Steve Snyder called Breakthrough to a New You, and that podcast is also free. So that's a great way to keep track of us. Lots of folks say, well, are you going to stay in KPFK? Well, initially, uh, I wasn't sure, and now that a few weeks have gone by, I'm still not sure. I, <laughs> I just don't know. I think many KPFK people know that this radio station is in flux. It's always in flux. It's always dynamic and changing, and particularly now. So I just don't know whether we're going to continue to be able to provide a program to you here Fridays at 1 o'clock from, uh, from Hawaii. But uh, we're working on it. We're talking about it. And so 
again, definitely the podcasts know about that because whether we're broadcasting, for example, last last time we did fundraising, I said we'd be off for two weeks and we'd be back on such and such a date, and uh, we got bumped by a program that uh, was provided by somebody that wasn't even on the radio station, and those things happen sometimes, and and uh, so it would be nice to be able to rely on the internet. It's, it's to me so incredibly democratic that anybody could do a podcast. You can do a podcast. You know, just stick a microphone in the back of your computer, and and, and if you're at all intimidated by it, as I've said before, find a teenager, get yourself a twelve-year-old. They'll they'll be your tech advisor and and uh, show you how to do it. And I just think that's so cool. You know. You don't need a $50 million radio station. You don't have to do uh, television or, or just the idea of, uh, of, of using the Internet for, you know, a podcast probably the wrong word because people think, well, then I need an iPod to listen. No, they, they go on your computer. So maybe they should be called webcasts or netcasts, audio, and uh, there's video webcasts too so check it out find out about it it's uh the internet's probably the best reason to own a computer i think if you're a luddite or just anti-tech and uh and and don't see any need for a computer i think the internet's probably the best reason the world is at your fingertips you'll be a google freak in no time and again the great thing about the um, the internet in the same way is that anybody can put anything up there, which I like. You know, it's diverse, it's antagonistic, and it's untrustworthy, which means, <laughs> you know, it's like buyer beware. You're the one, as a consumer of the information, that has the responsibility to verify, to double-check, to get multiple uh, sources of information and compare and contrast. And, damn, that's so much more intelligent and and so much more essential in a democracy to a well-informed citizenry than the idea of, well, I'll just watch CBS or NBC or ABC. They're all saying the same thing the same way at the same time for the same reason. Gosh, isn't that reassuring? Yeah, and I suppose George Bush's speech last night was reassuring. Gosh, did you know there's 36 nations fighting with us in Iraq? I didn't know that. <laughs> Talk about the madness of King George. This guy just makes it up as he goes along. I used to write down Bush's lies. Now I have a page dedicated to when he's telling the truth, and it's still blank. I can't find anything to write on the page of George Bush being honest. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's capable. And this is not me as a Democrat. I'm not a Democrat. I'm off the charts. <laughs> I just am amazed at... Uh, I guess at what Americans will buy. And uh, thank God for KPFK, for the Pacifica mission, and uh, for podcasts and netcasts and all of that, too. Also, um, I'm doing my final seminar in Southern California, at least for the foreseeable future. And uh, that's a six-week class on successive Sundays. I was thinking about having a contest. If you can say six successive Sundays three times fast, maybe I'll let you in. Six successive Sundays at the Red Cross building in Glendale, noon to three. For more information on that, just give us a call at 818-973-3154. I've dedicated a phone number to it. 818-973-3154. 
beside my regular number. So that'll start Sunday, October 23rd. I'm sorry, Sunday, September 23rd. September 23rd and run through the end of, uh, of October. And also, I'm going to be speaking at an event in October with the fellow I'm about to introduce. So let's introduce him and we'll talk about that and, and the many, many events that he has for you. A friend of mine, I dare say, after all of these years, he's been on the program a couple of times before. And uh, he lives and works in Southern California, primarily in the San Fernando Valley area. The author of Magic of the Soul, a wonderful book I recommend. He's the director of the Life Purpose Institute. And you may know him as president of the Spiritual Unity Movement, and well known for their full moon meditations. Patrick Carbula. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Michael. Six successive Sundays. You gotta say it three times fast, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Without spraying. <laughs> nice to see you. How have you been? Oh, I've been great. Been You're great. a busy guy. I am. I just came back from Canada. Did a wonderful primal fire intensive uh, weekend up there. It was a is a great great uh, group we had. That's something you often do in Catalina too. Yeah, right? yeah. I do it all over. But Catalina is one of my favorites. primal fire. What kind of well, spiritual deal is that? I like to call it the anti workshop workshop uh-huh. because it's it's not about um, there's no ideology or philosophy. Or it, it's all about getting out of our heads into our bodies, opening our hearts, connecting with Mother Earth. We do a Native American sweat lodge. Um, we had a Cree elder lead it up in Canada. Um, we do a lot of really powerful exercises, and it's just really about letting go of all the roles of who we think we are, who we pretend to be in our lives, and just rediscovering it at the deepest level, at our primal level, who we really are. So it's a very experiential workshop. Very experiential, yeah. And even your uh, full moon meditations at the Onion tend to be uh, well, you do have speakers. I've been mm-hmm. one of a uh, fortunate uh, privilege to be one of the wonderful speakers that you have come mm-hmm. in, and then you have musicians come in. And, you always have live music, yeah. Uh-huh, and a meditation, and much of that is a contemplation. I always differentiate between the two. That means silent, right? Um, yeah, we do about five minutes leading into about ten minutes of silence, deep meditation, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... I want to mention that uh, one of the things that we're going to do before we leave the mainland, the end mm-hmm. of November, is your full moon med, and it's going to be uh, Thursday, the 25th of October. That's is that right. right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So one of Michael Benner's last public appear- appearances yeah. before leaving the continent. That's right. So if you can't come to the Six Sunday workshop, they can always come and see us at the Onion. That's a great facility. It really is. It's if got you- that magic spot in the middle. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't been there, it's this incredible wood, all wood building. It's shaped like an onion, looks like an onion from the outside, with these high ceilings. And so when you stand in the middle and and speak normally, it's like you have a microphone on you because the acoustics are just so amazing. There is a resonance there in the middle. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you go like two feet either way and you lose it, but you find that it's like the whole it's like being inside a tuned speaker or, yeah, or something. Yeah. It's very cool. Well, and, and and if you're standing on the opposite of the bil- end of the building of someone and you whisper, they'll hear you. But if you shout, sometimes they won't hear you. You know, to the left of you, it's just very strange. But it's great for like. Tibetan bowls and gongs, and we have a lot of innovative music like that, so it works really well in the venue. Well, I think to consider that if sound is focused by the shape of a building, maybe spiritual energy in the same way can be focused by the shape of a building, and 
I think we see that not only in the Onion, but in the Gothic cathedrals mm-hmm. and, of course, the pyramids, uh, the King's Chamber and all of that. Uh, l- let's transition, in fact, from this concept to our little chat before go- uh, coming on the air here about um, global consciousness in meditation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think everybody, even non-meditators, understand that there has to be some personal benefit to closing your eyes and relaxing and sort of floating in that place between mm-hmm. awake and asleep where you're not drowsy, you're very alert. In fact, very alert mm-hmm. because you've turned away from physical senses and sensations. But beyond the personal benefits of meditation or contemplation, what is the impact, uh, do you think, of group meditation or even Gosh, don't we have a global meditation coming up pretty soon? Here? We do. And, you know, it's a, I think we're living at such an exciting time because more and more people are getting and realizing, I think, the power of our combined intention. Um, tomorrow, as a matter of fact, there is an event called the Worldwide Ohm. And you can just Google that and you'll, you'll find out where to go on that. Um, and so people all over the world at 4 o'clock our time, Pacific Daylight Time, Everyone is being asked to sit down and, and say a prayer for peace and, and sound the sacred Om. And, and so this will be synchronized so that it's happening at the same time around the globe. Millions of people will be participating. Now, this has been something that's just excited me for the last 30 years, and I've been promoting such events now for about 20 years or more. And, in fact, when I was, I was telling you earlier, when I was publishing Meditation Magazine back in the, uh, the late 80s, the Harmonic Convergence, some of your listeners probably remember sure. that event. Um, the idea was to go um, to go out and to do perform sacred ceremony at power spots around the world. And we published the first uh, article on that event, and it just took off like wildfire. And there were all these predictions about what would happen as a result of this action. Um, and one of the main ones is that old institutions, oppressive institutions would begin to to fall away. And somebody called me up. It was so amazing, like five years after the event, and said, we're doing a book to follow up on harmonic convergence. And he started naming these things off that happened that I had never made the connection to, but the Soviet Union uh, completely dissolved. The Great Wall, uh, the uh, Berlin Wall came down. Apartheid ended. Czechoslovakia and a number of other countries became free. So it was all this amazing stuff that happened within that five-year period. People, I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember, that was the time when there were headlines in the newspaper about peace breaking up all over the world, breaking out all over the world because the Cold War was over, right? Um, and there was a lot of claims about that being linked to a, uh, an astrological alignment and Mayan prophecies and so on. And yeah. I'm a little bit agnostic about all that. But I do know that when people get together with a unified intention, millions of people, something is going to happen. And, um, and so I think we should have, you know, once a year have a harmonic convergence or, you know, or monthly we, we do with these, um, nice. with these meditation Your meetings. Your full moon meds. Yeah, we And do that's this. an ancient tradition. Exactly. Do you have an understanding, or let me ask, ask it this way. What is your understanding of the relevance of a full moon meditation? Why do we see that in so many cultures and customs? Well, obviously, I mean, if you go back to the, the beginnings, it was, it was, from a practical standpoint, it's lighter out at night. A great time to go outside and do ceremony, right? 
because uh, you can see each other. But there's also, you know, in the mystical traditions, there is a a belief and an experience for the those of us who are, are who are mystics that really do experience this stuff at a deep level. Um, that it's like there is a, a door opening to the heavens at the time of the full moon. What happens is there's more energy. You know, the, the, the positive and negative poles, the sun and the moon, are lined up, you know, in alignment. And that could be also, you know, a metaphor for the soul, the sun, and the personality of the moon, and also for the, the, the masculine and feminine energies and so on. So there's this alignment, and it creates this inflow of energy. Now, energy isn't good or bad. It's just power. Mm. So it stimulates whatever is going on. So if if a person is in a state of unrest or agitated, full moon comes, they're going to get more agitated. That's why crime, crime rate goes up. There's more activity in mental institutions. Lunacy, I mean, even the word. Exactly. Though not a very attractive word. But, uh, yeah, that comes from, right. from uh, the goddess Diana, the... Uh, uh, the the moon always has, or is usually portrayed as being feminine, whereas the sun is more masculine. Right. right. But you know the funny thing is, my uh, my father and his buddies, for example, um, you know, if you ever said anything to them about astrology or full moon meditation, they'd laugh in your face. But they all did gardening by the by the moon. They all planted exactly. by the moon, yeah. and uh, my father would go fishing by the moon. Uh-huh. You know, he'd look at the phase of the moon before he'd decide whether the bass right. were hitting or, or you'd go trout fishing or bluegill blue fishing based on the moon. Right. But, ah, that astrology stuff, you know. So right, uh, right after 9-11, <clears throat> I sat, I mean, the day of 9-11, September 11th, uh, when those airplanes hit uh, just six days and a f- uh, six years and a few days ago, uh, I sat in the office, my office in my home, and wanted to write something, um, but didn't know exactly what to write. And I sat there and I just opened myself to influence and began to write a piece that uh, said basically to imagine uh, the consciousness of the world as being like a lake or an ocean, Mm -hmm. and to visualize these stormy seas becoming calm and quiet. Suggesting that if we did that, to whatever extent we did and to whatever degree or number of people that we could encourage to do that repeatedly, maybe we could stop the reflexive uh, reaction of hate and vengeance mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, came up immediately, of course, and to some extent exists even today. There's still a lot of hatred and anger and vengeance, so much so that I get hate mail about my appeal for peace. Uh-huh. Can you believe it? Amazing. People who should have known better wrote to me and said, yeah, Benner, you know, you and your hippy-dippy stuff on KPFK, that's one thing, but now we're at war. And uh, I just, uh, I don't know, what can you say about this idea? I really believe mm-hmm. that... In fact, for those people who think of themselves as Christians, isn't there even a reference in the gospel about when two or or more gather together in my name? Group meditation is a very real thing. Mm. It so is. And and anyone who meditates and who has been meditating for a long time, you don't need a lot of statistics to prove to you that it makes a difference, that it has an effect, because you feel it, right? 
Uh, but there have been a lot of studies done, and there have been studies for years that show that you get a certain percentage of people in a city to meditate, and the crime rate goes down. For example, there's a uh, website now, uh, commonpassion.org, that is tracking. They're, they're proposing different times of united meditation and tracking all over the world, you know, what's, what's happening as far as effects that can be attributed to it. The TM um, people call that the TM effect, obviously. Yes. Yeah, they right. like to take credit for it. But it wouldn't have to be their particular brand of meditation. Exactly. No, so any- intention is really what we're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I, again, I think it's so exciting. John Lennon said, when the people realize their power, we will have world peace. And not intent, until then. And so I think that is true in, in, in terms of people having their voices being heard, but it's also true in people having their, their thoughts being felt or heard and that we have a profound effect. I mean, you can test this for yourself. You know if you walk into a room or imagine this. Imagine you're sitting in a room and and your your eyes are closed, you're blindfolded. Walking in the door behind you is a Charles Manson type person. You're going to feel something, right? You yeah. intuitively know, and there have been studies that have proved this. Uh, and comparatively, if someone were to walk in with a Christ-like presence or a Buddha-like presence, you would feel that. Intuitively, we know that. Well, so if we combined our our intention to create positive thoughts, whether it's at the time of the full moon or the solstice or equinox or any time at all. I don't care if it's Groundhog Day, you know, if we, if we choose that as a time to meet in consciousness and create a positive vibration, it has an impact. We can't always see the impact immediately, and, it's, and it has a gradual effect. But imagine if we had 25%, 50%, even 10% of the world population focusing their combined intention to end war, to create peace, to, um, to end hunger. Yeah, which in many ways is all the same thing. To see the commonness and the unity, at the same time we celebrate our individualism, our diversity, rights of nations to be sovereign, the richness of culture, and again, individuality. But people see that as an either-or, you know, and... If uh, if uh, Michael and Patrick and others start talking about the world working together or peace in the world, well, then we're going to have to have some kind of global government, and, and that leads to tyranny. And I, you know, it's so difficult for people to think in terms of harmony, where we can have, through harmony, both unity and diversity, mm-hmm. spiritual unity and material Right. diversity and, and have both at the same time. That's not too hard to get our brains around, is it? Yeah, it's not too hard to get our brains about, but uh, around, but it's, um, you know, what is it? It seems like we always need that adversity as a, as a culture, as a humanity up to this point. That's going to shift. For us to survive, it has to shift. Um, but, you know, we were mentioning peace was breaking out in the, in the uh, late 80s, and then there were problems going on in the Middle East for years, but we didn't, didn't have any focus there because we had the Russians to worry about, right? But as soon as that dissolved, all of a sudden, there's a void. What yeah. do we do with that void? you got to invent a new boogie, man. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, if people would understand that uh, the U.S. government needs evil in the world, mm-hmm. the same way a preacher needs the devil or a cop needs crime, 
you know. Right. Again, that seems, at first blush, that's counterintuitive, but you think about it. Oh, yeah, where would the preacher be without uh, God's dedicated enemy, this this guy in the red underwear called the devil? Or where would the cops be if there were were no crime? You know, don't we all do that in some ways, though? In in our culture, our society is kind of, the way it's going right now is this magnified, um, you know, metaphor for that, um, that we tend to project whatever is uncomfortable within ourselves out onto the world someplace or other. And so, you know, one answer is to look within ourselves and to really embrace whatever it is there that needs to be healed. Whenever we find ourselves becoming contrary or going to war as it is in our personal relationships, in our our business dealings, whatever it might be. Yeah, boy, the, there's a major lesson in that to always make it about yourself, to take responsibility, mm-hmm. to to see what we can change about the self instead of the whole world around us. No question yeah. about it. Great wisdom in that. In fact, that's a nice segue to our other topic today. Mm-hmm. And as we um, think about opening up the telephones here in a few minutes, I'm sure that uh, we can talk about this. I know it's one of your areas of expertise. And My passion. Uh, is it even <laughs> a passion? It must be. And, and that's the whole idea of life having a purpose and um, or a calling. And what a tragedy that so many people don't find it or, I guess, don't look for it or don't even think that there could be such a thing as a a meaning or a purpose. In, in fact, let me start there. Do you personally distinguish or differentiate between spiritual purpose and and meaning? Are those words interchangeable for you, or is there a slight variation on purpose and meaning? To be honest with you, I haven't really thought about that, so let's think about it. Um, spiritual purpose and meaning. How are you using the word meaning there? Well, I can I can give you my answer, yeah. but I asked you first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, it's up to you. But I, how are you using the word meaning? Well, I see it as different. What, is, than, what does meaning mean? I see it as personal. I think purpose is more <clears throat> universal. Mm. Myself? Yeah. I think it's uh, – it, it, you always have to define your semantics. But, but uh, you know, I think we have a a, a, a a universal purpose to be here as as human beings. And what do you think that is? Uh, I think it's to, to raise the frequency of, of matter, to, to bring spirit and, and matter together. I mean, we are, you know, kind of the – the channel between um, the physical world and the spiritual world, and so we can bring those two together through how we act, through how we how we um, conduct our lives. There was a character on uh, one of the Star Trek series. Um, I forget. I, I lost track of them. I think she was the queen of the Borg, as I recall. <laughs> Flew around in the square spaceship, and she said, "I am the one who brings order out of chaos." And I thought, that's deep. That's wow. nice. Yeah. That's heavy. That's one way of talking about redemption, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But so often in religion, redemption is portrayed as a one-shot deal. It's about your life being redeemed. But don't you think we can redeem uh, uh, situations and circumstances, redeem relationships, redeem problems, redeem heartache? Uh, isn't there more going on than just saving one lifetime? 
Sure, and every time, you know, when you, when you talk about karma, as I say in my book, you know, I don't think karma, sometimes people use karma almost the same as, you know, kind of heaven and hell, you know, it's this punishment for your past deeds. And really I see karma as just the natural principle of, of life growing life, wanting to help us to evolve. And so we create situations so that we can learn from them. Once we learn from the situation, we don't need to keep, you know, experiencing that that particular situation boy i agree with that and uh we have i have some dear friends here at the radio station christine and julia have a company called good karma pr in fact by the way let me let me uh uh tip of the hat to christine and julia for uh uh doing the william rodriguez event the 9-11 event at uh, the presbyterian church on wilshire uh we saw it again this morning on c-span one and if it hadn't been for uh, Julia and Christine putting together that event, it would not be on C-SPAN 1 and wouldn't be getting out there. This is William Rodriguez, the, the last survivor, the janitor with the master key, who mm-hmm. not only heard explosions before the first plane hit in the World Trade Center, but was rescuing people from the effects of those explosions before the first plane hit. Mm. And uh, so I'll use this as an opportunity to, th- to 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 thank them for that. But the idea that there might be such a thing as bad mm. karma, I've always had a problem with as well. Uh, we you talked about projecting emotions, and here we are projecting on a spiritual father, if you will, or or father, mother, all that is, the idea of punishment when. You know, if you fall down, you don't say, well, that was bad gravity as opposed to good gravity, mm-hmm. you know, because I fell off my bicycle. That's the bad gravity. Right, exactly. It's just law. And so if karma is just law, let's get past this idea of bad karma mm-hmm. or that the universe would want to punish you. And, and there's a lot of that in religion. But don't you think it's important to rise above that? No, oh, absolutely. I mean... When when we are living from the perspective of the experience, the presence of our soul, you know, we're really in a place of non-judgment. And I'm not saying that I'm I'm there all the time, of course, but um, but there are moments, and in those moments, um, there's just total freedom. Because you mean not only not judging others, but non-judgment of self? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Your your metaphor reminded me of one that I heard recently that. Um, you know, when a, when a child falls down, uh, when they're learning to walk, they don't, and this kind of comes back to purpose and, and vocation and so on, and they fall down when, they, when they're trying to walk, they don't uh, look around and, and say, well, I guess, you know, walking isn't for me. You know? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I tried that. <clears throat> right. Yeah, right. I tried so, that. And, and yet we, you know, people who are moving toward their dream or whatever, you know, their grand vision for their life is, if they have one, it's when they run into obstacles, often they say, oh, geez, I guess this must might not be the right path because it's not easy, right? So if we say purpose is universal, which is basically life is growth, mm-hmm. if there's no growth, there's no life. If there's life, there's some growth, whether it's apparent or not. So as conscious, sentient beings, we might as well get it on. Let's giddy up and, mm-hmm. and, and accelerate that growth. Then... Meaning would be the personal longing, the 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 dream, the 
the calling, and that's when you're central entre- uh, um, uh, enterprises, right? You, you you coach people to find that longing, to rediscover their dream. Right. To um, and, and I also create a distinction between our purpose and what we do with our purpose. Our purpose, I like, I, I help people come up with a, um, a general life purpose statement about what they're here to do. And then, and the reason that's important is because if we identify ourselves as our career or our job and we lose our job, then what happened to my purpose, right? So it's really something that is more general than our job or our career, but it can be applied through any job, any career, in fact, at any interaction and in any moment in time. And so that's what we're looking for when I help people. In fact, if people want to call in, uh, once you give out the number, and yeah. you know, we can do it in a couple minutes. There's like a few questions that I have will help people come up with a life purpose definition just killer. instantly. Let's do that now. Right. 818-985-5735. I want to take a brief break, identify the radio station, and we'll come back. My guest is Patrick Carbula. You know him as the author of Magic of the Soul. If you don't have that book on your shelf, be sure and get it. It comes with a CD, and it's been out for a couple of years, but it's a really good one. And uh, Patrick is also the uh, director of the uh, Living Purpose. Is it Living Purpose Institute? Living Purpose Institute, mm-hmm. yes. And president of the Spiritual Unity Movement. And uh, so we're talking with Patrick today about global consciousness, talked about the meditation for world peace, which is L.A. time tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So visualize world peace, even if just for a minute, you know. Change happens in the twinkling of an eye. It's all in the intention. And if people go to my website, they can see all this information on the calendar of events. And that is? That's livingpurposeinstitute.com. Perfect. Patrick Carbula. We'll be back with your telephone calls, 818-985-5735. Have you found your calling? Do you have a dream? Do you remember the dream? Did you give up on the dream? Did you use that dirty word, try Are you still trying? Give us a call, 818-985-5735. We'll be right back. This is InterVision. I'm Michael Benner, and together we are KPFK. InterVision, I'm KPFK, Los Angeles. Hi, hello, howdy. Here till 2 o'clock this afternoon. Chatting with Patrick Carbula today. Patrick's the author of a great book called Magic of the Soul, a really nice accessible introduction to mysticism, I think. You've done a great job. I don't know if I've ever told you, but I really appreciated and continue to. But the first time I picked up your book, um, the way you treated the uh, nature of the Trinity in so many different mm-hmm. ways, which has always been fascinating to me, the threeness of things from the old three-legged stool of the ancients to um, you know past, present, future, beginning, middle, end, uh, and polarities, the dualism of life, having a heart, that the the middle aspect of the king and the queen, right. you know, the heart and soul, the magnetic field of the bar magnet, so to speak, the playing field between the end zones, the third way, the middle way, all uh-huh. of that stuff, lends itself to the threeness <clears throat> of things. And uh, I want to thank you for putting that in your book. Oh, good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm smiling because I'm thinking, oh, Michael's going to go on his Trinity tangent here. <laughs> yeah, well, I may if you don't, because uh, i got lots of them. <laughs> I have a grid on my website of 40, almost 50 Trinities, I wow. think, from all the different 
uh, traditions, mm-hmm. starting with cause, the means by which, and effect. And then it just goes right down through father, son, mother, calling mother the Holy Spirit. Why do they do that? And on and on and on. But uh, enough of that. I want to I want to honor these telephone calls and give people the chance to talk to you. Oh, and we got a website, by the way, for the um, World Med you were talking about uh, yes, yesterday. Yes, called the Worldwide, Worldwide Ohm. And uh, more info at earthdance.org. Okay, earthdance.org. Right. I have that link on my site too, so yeah. Good. And um, <clears throat> so that's tomorrow at 4 o'clock California time. That would be midnight Greenwich Mean Time. And your website again, Patrick? LivingPurposeInstitute.com. Now, Patrick's got all kinds of events coming up here in San Fernando Valley and other areas nearby. And uh, one of them is my opportunity to speak to his spiritual unity movement in October on the 25th. But uh, in a few minutes when we wrap up the program, we'll run all of that down. Okay. So get some paper and pencil ready for that. Okay. And uh, let's go to the phones here, 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK. As soon as we get a caller up there, we'll... Go to the phones because we're looking for people who are interested in finding their calling or um, or their purpose or to rediscover uh, their dream. Uh, when you were a little kid, did you have a dream about what you were going to be when you grew up? Um, do you remember? Yeah, do I really have to share that? You don't have to. <laughs> no. Actually, the funny thing is I used to love when uh, – when the garbage trucks would come by every day, I thought I want. I told my mom I want to be a gar- garbage man. Far out. <clears throat> you know. I, you know. I just thought of the metaphor. I never real, realized that when I went into spiritual psychology, that in a sense, I've been taking the garbage yeah. out <laughs> all these That's years. That's nice. Um, but I think it, as a kid, I just wanted to ride on that truck. Is all. Yeah, because big trucks. We <laughs> right. all like big trucks. What would you say to a person whose partner is? Not as much of a dreamer. Let's say somebody has a dream, they have a career, uh, a passion. Uh, they understand the admonition of people like Joseph Campbell to follow their bliss, and they're trying. But um, maybe their partner or friends around them or family members are saying, that's nonsense. You got to get a mm-hmm. gig. You got to get a job, even if it's flipping burgers. You got to go. We got bills to pay. They're freaking out. But how do you balance the dream mm-hmm. oh, with what great. might seem to be the reality of bills every thirty days? Great, great question. You know, first off, I think communication is really important. And number one, people when people really experience their their passion and their dream and and get a real, and you know, we're doing a workshop all day tomorrow on live your passion, life purpose. And, um, and when people experience that, something happens. You know, I often say, if you get a group of people together and you didn't have any structure, any format, but the, the focus, the intention was to dis- discover to deep level life purpose, miracles will happen. And then when you add in, you know, the powerful exercises that we have and a group of people who, who have come there and, and, you know, paid to be in this process and really committed to be in this process, it's amazing the energy, the dynamic that happens. And so when people come away from that and they start communicating with their loved ones about what their passion is, it's very different than when you have this kind of fanciful dream out there. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I would in that case uh, encourage people to sit down with your partner and 
and and say, you know, this is something I need support in. Share that vision so that so that your partner fully understands where you're coming from with it. And then, as far as balancing the practical, once you, one one has a grand vision for their life, which is something that we we get in the in the workshop, then it's about creating a, a practical plan for how to get there. And so flipping hamburgers can be one of the steps in that plan. And then by that, you know, by virtue of that, then it's not like this separate thing. It's not like, oh, I have to go flip hamburgers instead of doing my dream. It's it's now tapped into my dream. It's on the way, step. too. A- absolutely. And you never know. You may learn something there that you'll pull on later in life. Oh, you will. There's there's no question. I'm, I'm a firm believer that where, wherever we find ourselves in life is the absolute perfect place mm-hmm. in order to develop the skills we need to serve our purpose better later. You know, in college, we always say to ourselves, why am I taking this course in such and such? I'll never use this. But you do. Right. Maybe not even the course material, but maybe something you learned from a student you sat next to in that class you thought you'd never. Uh, in other words, I guess what I'm speaking about is a uh, an, aphor- uh, an aphorism that's coming to me now, and I don't remember who gets credit for it, but it's something like um, when you pursue your dream, when you follow your bliss or your passion, life conspires to support you, or the universe conspires yes, to support yes. those who follow their dream. Do you believe, yes. you believe that? Oh, right? I do, absolutely. And, and um, I can't remember who, who said that either, but I think it's actually when you are committed the actual quote is when you're committed, and there's a difference between committed and to your dream, and and well, and and you know, like not being committed or thinking, oh, this is something I'd like to do. When one's committed, that's when the 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 universe lines up to support it. Let's go to the phones and uh, take some calls for Patrick. We'll start in Placentia and Lynn. You're on KPFK and Intervision with my guest Patrick Carbula. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, I thought it'd be good if maybe I got some clarity on my vision. Um, I'm over 50, and I've uh, done a lot of things in my life, but it seems like, spiritually speaking, I I kind of let myself be uh, adrift a lot of times, and I really would like to be a little more concrete. I know I'm supposed to be an artist, and I've used my art to communicate and to help people over the years, but it's, it's I don't know, I, I say to myself, what is your real, and I, I'll stand there staunchly and say, I have a purpose, and I know my dream, but I don't. Exactly. Other than that, I'm an, I am using my art somehow, but it's not mm-hmm. like it's supporting me or it's helping me get by um, to the point where I can feed myself with my art or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's such a great point, Lynn. You know, um, I, I meet so many people. When I was in my corporate job, you know, I was working shoulder to shoulder with people who were making six. You know, we were all making six-figure incomes, and and. But most of the people I worked with, I had a sense, didn't have a real sense of meaning. And then I, on the other hand, I know so many people who are doing meaningful, wonderful, soulful work who are having a hard time making ends meet. So it's really about bringing the two together, isn't it? Yeah, so, it is. Because sometimes you just don't get the respect of saying, I mean, I'd like to walk into certain circles and still feel I have some respect. And maybe that's shallow, but it, it, I know that it feels better for me and it feels better for my children. But otherwise, they say, oh, uh, I know you. You're over 50. You don't really, you're kind of a mediocre artist. And I don't think that it is. I, mm-hmm. I, I believe my art is very on, on point. But 
I don't know. I, I don't run around trying to promote it as much as I, I love sitting at the bus stop and talking to people and telling right. them how they can fix their heart and their mind and, and, st- and stand and to keep going and to believe in themselves. That's where my real passion is. And whenever my art is out there, I'm, I'm using it as a tool to tell people to keep going and, and to make it because I can see you as somebody more than who you are right now. That's, that's mm-hmm. kind of my, my, the words just tumble out when I see somebody who has a, a problem. And lately, as I've gotten older, people come up to me. I don't even know them. So and they say, let, me, let me just let me stop you there okay. for a minute and just sure, ask. And just ask. So based on what you're just saying, what is your life purpose? What is it that really what? you're passionate about? I'm passionate about. Uh, I passion. Okay, okay, let me see if I can do this. I'm really passionate about telling people their life's worth and even if mm. i don't know what it is it's, it's like i went to a prayer meeting and i told let us all tell this person right here that we love them and they all look what what and then they right. but they jump right in and say yeah we can all do that we can say we love you and i said let's do it let's take the i'll take the liberty to speak for you but you say it with me <laughs> that's great so, so but i hadn't been to this church my first time there and sometimes i do bombard people when, but it was just there was a young girl crying and talking and i said she really needs someone to love her yeah, and hold I, on, Lynn. You gotta slow down a minute here. So listen, listen. That's great, and and you know I feel the power in that. And so your your purpose, you know, if I put some words to it, it sounds like is it. is to help, is to empower people to know yeah. why they're here. Okay. Right. To help empower people to know why they're here. Okay. Let me. I know it sounds redundant, but that's what I gotta do. I gotta have a better focus about myself. Okay, well, let's do this. I'm gonna I want to answer the rest of your question, and we'll take you off okay. the air for this, so I can kind of have everybody hear hear this okay. part of it. Okay. So thanks for your call. Thanks very much, Lynn. And, sure, sure. Thank you. And the other thing is, you know, I, you know, I define life purpose as what we love to do that makes the world a better place, uh, or somehow contributes to the lives of others. And so that's very altruistic thing, sounding. And there's another practical side to this. The other side of the coin is. It has to fulfill a need in society because that's what our economy is based on. If you want to to live your passion in a way that you're being paid well for, terms terms of commerce anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so and so then um, what I sense with with Lynn that it would be really helpful for her to to create some strategies for how she can then do that in a way that people will give her good money for it. Uh, I'll give and the artist thing is a great you know is a is a really great question too because you know in our society we don't honor artists in the way you know we do football players or basketball players i mean who get millions of dollars and we have so many you know the quotations around starving uh, artists you know what i see a lot in in my practice and in others who i know who are in the personal development field we've we've talked about it i wonder what your experience is uh, a lot of folks, and I picked this up in Lynn too, are so focused on wanting to help other people mm-hmm. that they forget the necessity of really putting self first. It's sort of like uh, I use the oxygen mask on the airplane example a lot. You know, if the the steward and stewardess, the flight attendants, always say before takeoff, if these air masks drop. Be sure you put yours on first, and then I'll say to my client, tell me why that's not selfish. Right. And usually they have a hard time telling me why that's not mm-hmm. selfish. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious to a thinking person that to some extent 
the desire that we have to help other people has to be rooted in, well, help them what? What mm-hmm. do I have to offer? And to some extent, don't we have to put ourselves first? Absolutely. And here's the amazing thing. The question that I ask, and maybe if we have time, we'll get to this, uh, to ask somebody this question. But all of your listeners could ask it. This is, there's a number of questions I ask people to help um, discover their passion. And this is the one that works with 98% of the people the best. What is the quality or guidance that you did not receive enough of as a child that you wish you had more of? Wow. And then the next question is, how does it feel when you create that experience for someone else or for yourself? And it's this kind of double-edged sword. What it is that we didn't get enough of is what we most want to create in the world, and it's also the thing that's hardest to create for ourselves. And at the same time, it's what our lifelong mission is. And that's why it feels so good when we create it for someone else is because we want it so badly. And it's also because we know how hard it is or or what it takes to create it for ourselves. We become really good. I, I didn't receive enough acceptance as a child. That's how I define that. And what I do best in my work is help people to be, to feel accepted. Yeah to accept themselves. I think that's true for a lot of us in the so-called spiritual mm-hmm. field. We are looking for the love we didn't get. Yeah, even in less spiritual fields, you know, you'll you'll find people who um I think I think of an example, you know, someone who who has a, a job that perfectly fits, you know, they found some way of getting what they didn't get as a child. It's it's heavy. I mean, yeah. because it speaks to the whole design of the universe. Exactly. I mean, and the role that diversity plays. We always exactly. want to know why me? Why <clears throat> this suffering? Why this injustice? Well, there 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 is a purpose behind all. Robert that. Bly said, "Our wound is our gift to the world." Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. That should be written on the wall someplace. Let's go to Temple City, Nick. You're on KPFK with my guest Patrick Carbula. Hi, Nick. Hello, Mike. Hello, Patrick. How are you today? Hi, Nick. Great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. You know, you, I think you sort of answered my question um, in a way. What are you not getting or, or what are you not getting enough of? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're able to give it to, when you're able to experience it in somebody else, is it the over-desirousness of wanting that that keeps you from it, that keeps you from getting what you really want? Is that what it is, that over-desirousness? Mm. What, what, a, what a great question. Let me think about that. The over-desire keeps you from getting... Well, I think certainly, you know, as I talk about in my book, anytime we're attached to anything, you know, it it keeps us away from it because if we're attached, then there's going to be fear that we won't get it, right? But on the other hand, we tend to... I think we tend to put too much importance in in some of these things. You know, in in coaching, and, you know, I have a program that that certifies life coaches. is another one of the programs that, that we have through our institute. And, you know, people come in and they think... You know, I've got to get to a certain place emotionally, and then I'll be able to do what I want to do. When, in fact, really all it will take is is a little bit of of well planned, authentic action. You know, to to take a, a a step forward because people think, oh, I've got to, you know, heal this stuff inside. And just about everybody that I work with has already been through years of therapy. You know, and and most people don't need to do any more therapy. They just need to take authentic action. Because we think, oh, once I feel good enough, then I'll be able to do it. When in fact, when I do it, it will make me feel good enough to have the confidence to move forward even more. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. If you, it seems like if you feel good about it, if you feel good about your situation now, then you can go from this point forward into that. 
into that place. That's true. And what I'm also saying is you don't have to feel good to take the authentic action. And the authentic action is what makes you feel good. You know how it is when you've been when you've been planning something or working towards something and, and yet it's you haven't taken action and then you do and you accomplish something, it's like then the energy starts starts rolling, right? Right. Right. Okay, bud. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. You too. Let's roll over to Santa Barbara and Kelly. You're on KPFK. My guest is Patrick Carbula. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Um, I dialed when... Michael said, do you use that dirty word, try? (laughs) And I thought, okay, that's me. I'm the queen of try. So I have cleared a lot of space in my life to pursue a more meaningful career. Mm -hmm. And I think old habits, old patterns, old territory that's known, Mm -hmm. I seem to catch myself gravitating back towards that. So, okay, almost take it. like I won't give myself the permission. Mm-hmm. Any advice? Any thoughts? Take a deep breath and just and just make it really, really simple. What is the you know the first step that you can take toward implementing this? And you know, again, whether it feels comfortable. In fact, you know, as people move toward their a, a grand vision, what I like to call vocational ecstasy, which is where we're paid well for what we love to do, mm-hmm. it is it brings up more and more of the shadow. It brings more and more. There's one question be, that lies beneath every doubt and fear that we have, and and that is, am I really worthy of that degree of magnificence? And the right. truth is yes. And the only way you find it out, though is by taking the steps. And that's going to have to do it for today. Great call. Great question. Thanks a lot. So that's the end of trying for her. Just (laughs) do it. Patrick, I'm going to be with you on Thursday, October 25th at the Spiritual Unity Movement. Yes. 925 is our next one, uh, Tuesday, with um, uh, Intuitive Healer, who talks to dead people. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And tomorrow you have a workshop. Workshop 9 to 5. People can still get in. We have a few openings. Um, in fact, we're offering a $40 discount to anyone who mentions Michael Benner. There you go. Be sure and mention it then. And should they call, a, you have a phone number? Uh, yeah, they can call um, toll-free, 866-204-2261. Do it again. 866-204-2261. The website is uh, livingpurposeinstitute.com. Patrick Carbulin, pick up his book, Magic of the Soul. You'll like it. It's a really good book. And um, Patrick, thanks for being with us. So great to be here. And, and, and Michael, I hope you're still going to be on on Fridays. We are going to miss you if Wouldn't you're not. Me? You are all my hero. Are, all things are possible. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. you are. And uh, one final comment. Remember that uh, we do have a few more openings left. And I do mean a few more in the six-week workshop starting mm-hmm. Sunday at the Red Cross in Glendale, Finding Yourself in Paradise, an Emotional Identity Workshop. This is uh, the last one I'm going to do in Southern California, 818-973-3154-973-3154. Thanks to D'Angelo and Brooks and my wife, Doreen Key, and as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner.
You've been listening to Intervision on radio powered by the people, KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and you can listen live also at www.kpfk.org.